Welcome to the Quartering Podcast for Wednesday, the 1st of February. First up, Elon Musk disavows Eliza Blue and new stomach-churning clips emerge. Twitter runs damage control. Holy moly, things just went absolutely wild overnight last night into this morning. And it seems that, uh, and unfortunately for uh, this potential grifter, uh, the news story just went wild on a Wednesday, which means it's going to run Thursday, all of Wednesday, all of Thursday, all of Friday before people probably finally move on. We have a new article that absolutely blows the lid off of her history and and turns out some other shocking stuff, which I'm going to cover. We got a couple of videos on this, and then I'm going to cover like actual other news, but it's time to bring this one home. And uh, last night, it became a, 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 a apparent that uh, Elon Musk had unfollowed Eliza Blue. Now, we don't know exactly what point this happened. Uh, it could be related to this. It could not. He does follow and unfollow people pretty regularly. And so, you know, I, I don't really know if it's related, but certainly could be, especially given all the noise around this, not just, you know, this week, but uh, in the past month and some new Twitter scrambling to cover up another video. By the way, I want to shout out all the creators who have been on top of this, all of the citizen journalists on Twitter who have uh, been finding clips. Certainly, you know, my Twitter files thread has been viewed like a million times or more. Um, and all of that research came from, uh, you know, citizen journalists out there, um, uh, people putting together videos, people putting together timelines long before I did. Um, and, uh, I couldn't have done it without them. You know, YouTubers like that star Wars girl, uh, has been, has been on this yellow flash has been on this, um, Brittany Venti, really was the spark plug in all of this. So I don't want to like let Brittany, you know, hang out there to dry. She still does not have access to her account as far as I know. Um, and that's not okay. So this video and many other videos like it, uh, show Eliza blue advocating for, um, well, the kids and you know, young ones and adults, you know, meeting in the sheets and some of it is a little raw. I don't. I think pretty much everyone could handle this, though. And if if you can, make sure you leave a like on this video. You share it uh, because this is another video that seems to be getting people suspended from Twitter. Uh, I I covered it on a stream last night, but here is uh, Ryan Lawrence bringing forth, writing. I'm completely shocked to discover uh, Eliza and Thaddeus. I don't know who these people are. Um, you know, again, I don't know who these people are. But what I care about is what is said here. Listen to this. Certainly. So let's let's pretend like we all have our like utopia. So if 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 our utopia, right? If I could answer this in utopia, right? This is essentially a conversation about what age you should be to be able to, you know, agree to bedroom activities. Am I like uh you know perfect in cap utopia? Each community, each community, and each, um, so it'd be each caregiver, parent, and community, including teachers, um, potential faith leaders, and neighbors, will decide if the child is ready to consent. What? What? That sounds like a weird operation where you're, you're like, okay, here's a little kid. 
you're ready. Here you go, old creepy guy. And, and look at the child's behavior. Do they have a job? How is their education going? Are they, are they cognitively available to have uh, sex with this individual? And then um, also look at the history of the individual as well. So does this, um, does this individual have a history of abuse? Um, yep. And then you go from there. What? This sounds like, like she's talking about selling, pimping out kids. I mean, what? What? And and like the the stuff that's in this has made people actually go like, whoa! Uh, I saw even Adam Krigler, who people were giving a lot of the business to for kind of staying on the sidelines of this. This person uh, who is called literally Heather. That's funny. Um, in case anyone wants to pretend that this video clip was taken out of context, Thaddeus went on to provide context. Between this and accepting money from, I don't know, any of these guys' personal drama, it's not important to me, at least right now. Um, so it's in context. It's really no question. You know, <laughs> Eliza Blue, old enough. Yeah, you know, if there's grass on the field, play ball, right? Um, you know, it's weird. And, and why is Twitter taking this stuff down? And by the way, there are many other videos like this. Uh, this one shared by Odin's Men says this. This I don't know if this is the same interview. It could be just with her zoomed in. But this says, Odin's Men says, help me understand how this has not gone crazy on Twitter. I have 15 minutes of this. And, and do I feel that some adult, that some minors are more equipped to engage in sexual activity with adults than others? Yes. And, and what? What? I, and by the way, like I got, you know, uh, if a 12 year old has designed Jesus, I mean, like, um, again, a lot of times people with, so this person also puts, so this community decides when the 12 year old can hook up with a 40 year old. Each community. Oh, that is, this is a clip from that video. So I think that the community and the child, if the child so desires to have intercourse with an adult, the parents caregivers and anyone that's i mean it's just what i just said i i what the, that would be up to if the child has desire and if the community also decides that the person that they're supposed to have intercourse with has is not using force fraud coercion what what literally what thanks to uh odin's men uh, men's men underscore underscore Odin's for uh, bringing that up. You know, again, do people you know who are does this kind of stuff go on? Sure, fine, maybe. You know, also there are certain you know, oftentimes when somebody has something bad happen to them when they're young, okay, um, they go on to then. You know, it, it has an effect on their life. 
um, you know, certainly having your quote unquote community leaders decide that you're ready. It sounds like some weird, like, uh, you know, the, the, uh, like arranged marriages. Well, the community says you're cool. So, you know, go ahead. Then of course this clip surfaced. I talked about this on a live stream last night. Uh, this clip put up by at fair and balanced. Um, this was during a podcast, um, where it was Kitty Perzog. Uh, actually her real name is it's at Kitty Perzog. It's Katie Herzog. Uh, she runs a podcast called blocked and reported. She had reached out to ask about Twitter, ask about also her past. Um, and, this woman, I don't really, you know, I don't know who this is, but I've never seen this level of instant panic in my life and aggressive, co like combative interviewing. Um, this clip is like two minutes long. I'll try to kind of skip through it, but I want to remain, you know, let the context speak for itself. Because again, I get, you know, not demanding somebody relive for everyone who wants to know the worst moments of their life. Okay. I understand that. However, it was, first of all, communicated up front that this interviewer wanted to talk about it, and she took the interview anyway. It was second of all, it's second of all, a little more important when your entire grift is being a survivor, right? Give me money because I'm a survivor and I'm going to help other survivors, okay? Follow me on Twitter. Give me 100,000, 120,000 followers in December because I'm a survivor and I'm out here helping survivors. So unfortunately, you don't necessarily get to say, well, I don't wanna ever wanna talk about it anymore because you are now profiting off its very existence. And in a video, we've got two other videos on this today breaking down an absolute crazy expose, um, but just listen to this. I mean, I, I don't know if I, I mean, for me to tell my story at length, uh, is gonna take a while. I don't even. I don't like, even need that. Questions about my story. What is gonna take a while? So I know the basics so of your story because I've, I've listened to your podcast. Right. So what's So I'm. I'm trying to figure out exactly what the question is. Well, I, I can ask I mean, you I the question. I didn't agree to this. All I agreed to was answering a few questions about Twitter. Well, okay, sure. That's totally fine. But can I just? Can I ask you the questions or email you the questions and you can decide if you want to answer or not? I mean, did you did you ask Amanda in advance? To do that? Uh, no, I, I told her that I wanted to ask you about the Twitter stuff and about your own okay. story. Okay, so you deceived Amanda, didn't tell her everything you wanted to ask no, me, I, and then I, you I, got I, a survivor on the phone no. and started asking her about her personal trauma. No, I, 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 that's, okay. not, that's not what happened. I said... Okay, I, think, I think we're probably going to be done here. Wow. And then it turns out, like, in the rest of this audio, and she's, of course, again... You are getting followers on Twitter based on the fact that you've claimed you're a survivor, which we now find out is very, I can't wait to do this next video. By the way, if you're enjoying the coverage, please do leave a like on it. And if you haven't yet, please do subscribe down below wherever you're watching. It absolutely helps immensely. Certainly YouTube is not pushing this out. We already see what Twitter is doing a coverage of it. But Katie Herzog absolutely did ask and you'll see here. Please, uh, next time you want to speak to a survivor about their trauma and bring up their own past. I literally asked her. Uh, I here. I'm gonna read you. Honest, I'm gonna read you. 
I'll read you the message that I sent her. Please be honest in advance because I, 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 I won't. Because there are times when I feel cool about talking about it, and there's other times when I don't. I'll read you so the I message that I sent it to in her. Advance, You're not listening to me. I was totally comfortable talking about Twitter. If you were going to ask me I, about my own tra traumatic, traumatizing story, I would have appreciated a little bit of a heads up. And you know what? I think you're a cool person. I, I always have. I, and I know you're cool with Tim Dillon. And I oh, the clout goblin knows she knows Tim Dillon. Nom, 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 I, I would have appreciated a little bit more respect just off. You're not listening to me. I Here's what I said to her. I said, I'm interested in the Twitter changes as well as her history as a survivor. That is what I told okay, her. Okay, then I'm going to speak to her about oh, that because oh, oh, she oh. messed up and didn't tell me what's up. Okay, well, so can I... I apologize for blooping out on you. She should have told me that. I'm going to go get in her ass. So, can can anyway, I ask you the questions? I'm not cool with it. It's been a long few days, and honestly, I don't feel like rehashing my whole own trauma. Cloud Goblin. Yeah. Why be so combative? Why get so angry? Again, it's your brand. I get like somebody that you work with or sitting at a bus stop who maybe you know something bad happened to them when they were young and you're like, hey, let's talk about it. And they're like, yo, I don't know you. Back off. That I get. This is not that. We do we have a full day of delicious, delicious news. And next up, Eliza Blue destroyed by a new article proves everything is a lie and Elon Musk is getting dragged too. Get your cup of tea or a cup of your favorite beverage in, roll up your favorite herbal remedy, enjoy because today marks the fall of Eliza Blue. And it was actually brought to you by the Daily Beast? Now we know why the Daily Beast covered it, it's because it was a roundabout way, uh, a back door to criticize Elon. And it's working. Elon's getting smeared. Politicians are now getting involved. And it's, it's a total mess. It's a PR disaster for Elon Musk. And I guess that's what happens when you don't, I don't know, when you don't vet the people that you are hanging out with. You know, we know that Obviously, there are individuals around him uh, that are well-known grifters. But let's get into the article. There's two main takeaways from it that I'm going to actually separate into two videos because I'm the grift king. Now, let's get into this story on the Daily Beast, which was a four-person work. Will Summer, Kate Bricklet, Bricklet, Kelly Weil, and Noah Kirsch. Maybe Tim Poole will cover it now because it's on the Daily Beast, but with striking lilac hair and punjanish attitude, the anti-trafficking activist known as Eliza Blue has broken into some of the top tiers of right-wing media in just a few years, growing her audience through interviews with popular figures like Ben Shapiro, Tim Pool, and Dr. Drew. In late, but in late 2022, Blue found an even more powerful ally, the new owner of Twitter, Elon Musk. Blue refers to herself as a survivor, has lent the billionaire an unusual form of credibility by insisting that pre-Musk Twitter was overrun with terrible images. Only Musk, Eliza Blue says, has been willing to stamp out the material on Twitter at scale. In another tweet, she declared, the war against Elon Musk is actually a war over your mind. Musk responded with a bullseye emoji. Blue's praise for Musk comes even as the billionaire has slashed much of Twitter staff, including huge numbers of workers responsible for content moderation for his part, Musk has boosted Blue's profile on the site with replies and retweets 
helping her earn more than 100,000 news followers in December alone. Quote, you have a direct line to me on the issue, Elon Musk told Blue in a Twitter space live chat. Let's see how those followers are going. She is now in the daily averages in the red, losing uh, an average of 169 giggity followers a day. Today, uh, over the past several days since these old videos are resurfacing, since questions about her story have been resurfacing, uh, Monday she lost 2,300. Tuesday she lost 2,300. Today she's down 620. And then if I go here, 657, 573, and she just lost another 1,200. So she's over 2,000 lost followers today. I think obviously that's the best way people can strike back. You know, look, she's, she's, people are assuming, you know, people think she's a fraud. So why follow a fraud? I think that that's a very smart thing to do. You just don't want to promote that. And I think people unfollowing her is a good thing because it's better to follow people who are actually doing good. Now, Blue and Musk find themselves embroiled in a Twitter censorship controversy after multiple critics of Blue who shared embarrassing images from her past saw their accounts temporarily suspended from the site. Some users suggested Blue's direct line to Twitter brass and Musk himself may have led to the crackdown, even as Twitter owners insist he's in favor of free speech and wide-ranging debate. Blue and Twitter did not respond for requests for comment. Shocking. Amid the controversy over suspended accounts, questions about Blue's background have emerged where critics have seized on contradictory videos and interviews and her frequent use of different names online to suggest Blue isn't who she claims to be. Now two former friends tell Blue that the Daily Beast, at best, Eliza Blue is exaggerating her experiences for attention. Uh, for attention. Quote, It's making a lot of her old friends around here really angry, said Carly Wenzel, a one-time pal of Blue who's known her for 20 years, who added she believes Blue is completely lying. Blue grew up in a rural area of Illinois border with Iowa known as the Quad City. She portrayed for her homeschooled upbringing as an innocent, albeit one that made her all the more naive about how the world really works. And uh, despite her claims to the contrary, public records prove that Blue's original name was, in fact, Eliza Morthland. She has denied this, by the way. Born in 1981, her father is Richard Morthland, a farmer and former Illinois state rep who ran unsuccessfully on the GOP ticket for lieutenant governor in 2018. Morthland also did not respond for requests for comment. In 2021, Blue appeared to deny on Twitter that her, her, she was, in fact, Eliza Morthland but Facebook photos show her standing with other members of the Morthland family. A 2010 newspaper article about Richard Morthland shows a woman who looks exactly like Blue standing next to the politician identified as his daughter, Eliza Morthland. Richard Morthland also gave a comment for a 2009 article about a band Eliza Blue worked for under her married name, Eliza Seep, and Blue's cosmetology license lists Richard Morthland's farm as her address. Liar! There's no question that Blue has advocated for victims, especially on Twitter, but she has offered murky accounts of her own background that leave even her supporters unsure about the vague, vaguest details. She can also grow hostile when reporters ask for basic facts, like the years that she had it happen to her or the name of the perpetrators. For example, journalist Katie Herzog reached Blue on the phone in December, only to have Blue become defensive with Herzog raised even the prospect of asking her about her own story. Interviewed on Tim Pool's podcast, Blue said that she could not offer details about her alleged uh, the people did things to her because of, quote, unspecified legal issues. Then she asked, why would it be a problem if she was even making up her story? 
let's say hypothetically it's made up, Blue said. What's my biggest win so far in public? I don't know, being famous? Uh, getting Twitter to address bad material? I'm not asking uh, a bad person for money, and I'm not asking people for money. She has asked for money several times. The Daily Beast pieced together a rough outline of Blue's account of her experiences based on interviews she's given to sympathetic media outlets. Blue has said that her issues spanned two different periods, separated roughly a decade. In her, in her telling, Blue was first groomed by prominent photographer. She met at Warp Tour concert in Chicago when she was allegedly 16. A few years later, when she was a teenager in the late 90s, her father drove her to L.A. because she was convinced that an unnamed high-profile musician she met through that photographer would make her a star. Instead, she was allegedly trafficked within 48 hours of getting there. Or something very bad happened, allegedly, according to a podcast. Uh, her traffickers quickly uh, got her on um, allegedly ice, generally recognized as you know crystal, though Eliza said she didn't know what it was. She then claims she was sold for $500 to a ring in the Hollywood Hills where she found herself living with members of that ring uh, that also trafficked trans women. Quote, I was sold for $500 to a very old gentleman in the hills, Blue said in an interview. Blue claims that she struggled with all this kind of stuff, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Then she goes back to the farm. Allegedly, she, you know, she claims she was hospitalized for ODing and all this stuff. She ends up returning home. They don't recognize her. After two weeks on the farm, she returned to L.A. to retrieve her car, Blue claims, but then she was once again swept up into the trafficking for an undefined period. It's odd what happens to trauma the brain, Blue said in 2020 podcast episode to explain why she returned to her traffickers, comparing it to Stockholm Syndrome. Now, Blue's second period in her account was between 2008 or 2009 when she was living in the Chicago area. Now, here's where it gets good, okay? If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe down below. I've got tons more news today, not just about this grift or two. Blue claimed that she was trafficked by a, quote, high-profile athlete whom she also declined to name. That man and his associates, according to Blue, put her in a dangerous neighborhood where she has said uh, existed on what was called a gang line, a, a dangerous border between two where two Chicago gang territories meet. Quote, my mattress is on the floor because so much lead was flying around. She recalled it just didn't want to go to bed. She also attempted to leave this in 2013, and in her account, ultimately succeeded for good. Succeeded for good in 2014. Blue has repeatedly suggested her former traffickers from Chicago might still be out to get revenge on her and her family. When I stepped away from the gang, my traffickers lost money. Blue said in a 2020 interview, and they want that money back. Okay. Asked in a 2021 interview why she still hadn't pressed charges against the unnamed athlete and other traffickers, Blue, appearing on a podcast with more than 100,000 YouTube subscribers, said the men could still track her down. I'm terrified that they would go after my family. You mean a well-connected politician who probably has access to private security? Yeah, okay. Now, it's, the, 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 the drop is coming, okay? Last month, Blue tweeted, that her family knows every detail of her story and stands behind her. Then she blasted the corporate media for asking questions about her past. If anyone steps on my family's property, they better be well-armed. However, here's where it gets funny. Wenzel, a one-time friend of Blue, who says she has known the anti-trafficking activist for more, more than two decades, doesn't believe Blue's accurate account is accurate. Wenzel told the Daily Beast that she met Blue in the Quad Cities, where both women were partying with musicians. Wenzel was 18 and said that Blue was in her early 20s. The Daily Beast verified Wenzel's friendship through photographs. 
In Wenzel's telling, she said Blue and her were both deeply involved in scene subculture in the early aughts and the time of tight, the time of tight jeans, swooping haircuts, and high drama on sites like MySpace and LimeJournal. Wenzel was trying to hook up with a member of a band member of her favorite bands on a tour bus in Iowa City when Blue stepped aboard. The two young women realized they had mutual friends and shared interest in music and the men who made it. She said she was going to be very famous for sleeping with band members, Wenzel recalled. Wenzel takes issue with Blue's timeline of her experience. She claims that she was, she too was at the very same Warp Tour concert where Blue allegedly met the photographer who, who she claims groomed her. But while Blue said that she wasn't even 18 when she met the photographer, Wenzel insists that Blue would have had to been in her early 20s, putting the date of the concert sometime in the early 2000s. Her timeline is so weird, Wenzel says, noting that she believes Blue appears to be lying about her age in certain areas. Then, you know, uh, Blue moved to L.A., but Wenzel doesn't remember hearing about anything about her being trafficked. Instead, she said that Blue unsuccessfully tried to convince Wenzel to move in with her in California. She did not recall Blue calling home to the Quad Cities uh, with tales of being hooked on ice or living with a group of transgender women in Hollywood Hills. Wenzel said that she keeps seeing these stories out of L.A. and believes that absolutely didn't happen. By 2005, Blue was back in Illinois and eventually earned a cosmetology license. Blue began touring as blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't really care about the My Chemical Romance thing. I want to get to the Chicago thing, okay? <laughs> this is the best part. And then there's an even better part, but I guess that'll be the next video. After leaving the rock circuit, I don't really care about her dating that guy. It's not relevant. It's not relevant to her being a fraud, okay? You can hook up with whoever you want. After leaving the rock circuit, Blue lived... <laughs> cloud Goblin. Nom, 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 nom. Uh, cloud... Uh, Blue lived with a friend in Chicago from roughly 2009 to 2011. That's around the period she claims to have been trafficked again by some unknown athlete in a, in a, in a dangerous neighborhood. But that's not how her former roommate, who asked the Daily Beast not to name her out of fear of backlash from Blue's fans, remembers it. Instead, she said the pair lived in Wicker Park, an affluent, trendy Chicago neighborhood. The roommate said Blue's parents were always supportive financially. She was not in a precarious situation, the roommate told the Daily Wire. Uh, I'm sorry, the Daily Beast in a text message. The roommate does remember uh, she did sleep on the floor, though, not because of stray lead. Quote, she slept on the floor, but by choice, because she was really into those floor pillows. The friend told the Daily Beast. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, she added, Blue eventually bought a bed. Like the ex-roommate, Wenzel scoffs at the idea that Blue lived in a dangerous neighborhood, Wenzel, who was married with a child at the time, brought her toddler to visit Blue, and the roommate of the apartment was hardly the front line of some sort of gang war. This is so not true, Wenzel said. She lived in a really cute apartment. They're the whitest girls you could ever meet. There was no gang activity. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to get working on, this, on part two of this right now. I'm going to get this uploaded. If you haven't yet, please do leave a like on this video. Make sure you click that subscribe button down below and you share this video out on Twitter. It's time for the truth to come out. And next up today, YouTube kids busted feeding propaganda and inappropriate videos to nine-year-olds. There's a lot going on in the world outside of kind of internet, petty internet drama uh, with uh, the latest blue-haired liar on the internet. But yesterday, um, Aldo Budazzoni, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, Aldo. Uh, I am following you, though, so shout out to you. Released a very concerning Twitter thread 
about YouTube and how its content targeting works in particular uh, via their app aimed at the younger generation. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but well, I guess parents do, but <laughs> a lot of, uh, you know, childless weirdos like myself, we kind of forget that like there's a whole different side of YouTube called uh, YouTube kids or whatever. And there's an app where like they can only see certain content. This is why when people create stuff, they have to decide whether or not whatever they want to actually upload, uh, if it would qualify as targeted towards them. We also saw a lot of creators who had content that lived on the line of that get destroyed by COPPA, but that's for a different day. Uh, this thread is very, very concerning, uh, especially because YouTube has already said, hey, we filter out this content for kids. We we are gatekeeping this. This is safe. This is good. This is okay for you. And uh, it's, you know, it's very concerning. Uh, you know, I assume, I, I assume for parents. Um, and let's get into this. So. Aldo writes, YouTube kids potentially, they, they claim that they are, you know, pushing, uh, you know, alphabet content and propaganda. He says, I just made an account and what I found is disgusting. I made an account for someone who's between nine and 12. And one of the very first videos they recommend is kids meet gender non-conforming person. Why? Why is YouTube doing this? Why does every corporation want to raise your kids? I guess, you know, they can mold you into the, the they can mold the kids into like the, the perfect little soldier for them. So recommended. And you see here on the second, and shout out to Aldo for this work. Uh, right here, it's like, Gender, a gender non-conforming pe person. Why is that recommended? Somebody who's nine. Kids meet a gender non-conforming person. Why? Here's just one of the screenshots of the myriad of videos they have to inject uh, young ones with this type of programming. Why do kids need to be uh, exposed to this? Well, I think we know the answer. Of course, the we, oh my God, this channel's still around. Uh, queer kids stuff. One of the, this is one of the most just, ugh, it's just a terrible channel. Um, not, yeah, not what I would, you know, not what I like, obviously. Because you're getting videos like, let's talk about Black Lives Matter. I mean, why is that? What? Meet Desmond is amazing. Oh, that's more queer kid stuff. Um, the meaning of pride featuring drag queen Nina West. Remember when Nickelodeon got absolutely demolished over this? There is also a seamless, endless supply of these type of videos. Do children really have the capacity to understand these concepts? This is not education. This is indoctrination. The video called I'm gay, 59 seconds. Prince Henry, a gay fairy tale. Um, let me see. I'm okay. It's okay to be gay. Okay. I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, it feels like, you know, be, a nine-year-old doesn't need to be consuming this type of content. It just doesn't. One of the most prominent channels is, of course, 
that kid stuff channel where they break down infinite, the infinite orientations in the group and detail which each letter means. Many of the episodes feature drag queens and quote unquote queer kids. The host is Lindsay Ammer, an American LGBTQ activist and YouTuber, and has been recognized by GLAAD at the TED conference and the Webby Awards for their work relating to this advocacy. Consent. Is that what we're talking about, nine-year-old? Consent is about giving one permission to someone or something. This is one of the most bizarre teaching videos on, child, on teaching children how to, quote, give consent. What exactly are they teaching kids to consent to? They say it's about kids, toys, and playing, but there's a more sinister undertone given the cultural rise of one particular community. Take a look at Billboard. Chris's recent video where a man says, you know, young ones can consent. A mature adult who understands the concept of consent, why should we limit someone by their age? Ugh, gross. He continues, they're trying to push two ideas. Kids have agency, kids have consent. The only logical conclusion to these existing concurrently is, well, the big P word. Uh, and so they put a big article over on PragerU, which you can read. I'll also read this article from Timcast. PragerU personality details YouTube kids promoting uh, LGBTQ plus content. These videos are not child-friendly, and YouTube is pushing them to, quote, indoctrinate kids. YouTube reportedly recommends a Hi-Ho Kids video entitled Kids Meet Gender Non-Conforming Person for their, quote, older children content here. The content also promotes gender and identity themes videos for the accounts, including one channel. Of course, we talked about that, Nina West. Um, yeah, I think that what's interesting here is that this is curated. They know who's seeing it, right? And they know the age of those people who are seeing it. So somebody at YouTube has said, this is cool for a nine-year-old. Now, I can't say half the words that I'm reading in these articles, but these videos are all, of course, monetized. You know, I don't know if I could make the jump to the big P here. I, I just, you know, it's different and of course it's difficult, obviously, but it's questionable, uh, their choices they made. It's probably some, you know, woke activist working at Twitter. I'm sorry, at YouTube. God, they're all the same. Um, and they don't, and they don't know. Or they don't care. They think, yeah, this is this is appropriate because these companies, these corporations, they want to replace mom and dad. This is something that you know has become abundantly clear to me. Uh, they want to replace mom and dad. They want kids to go, get grown up and being told by corporations or by approved messengers messengers that this is what you should be doing, thinking, reading, consuming, speaking, how to vote. These are the products you should buy. All of this kind of stuff. Now, every time, you know, one of these, I, I think like I would immediately ask the question to YouTube, you know, what is your curation process like? And what made you think that these videos were appropriate for someone who is nine or 10? Because they're not. They're just clearly not. Um, and if parents want to, let's say, and, and, and like, again, I'm not, even as skin crawling as some of these videos are, like I'm not against their existence. I'm not saying they should be banned. 
But I think if a, I think the default setting of an app for all kids should be that this kind of stuff is clearly filtered out. Um, I think, you know, any of that kind of, that, that is stuff that a parent should be, you know, if they want, should be, cons- you know, in introducing their own child. They should be making a decision with their own children. If some woke parent wants to show their kid, you know, meets a gender nonconforming person, then I think that that's their right. Okay. They're the parent. They want to raise their kid to just be a little nice little socialist or whatever. They can show them that kind of thing, but they absolutely should not be in the default settings. Cause I think the default for most families, uh, just, are, you know, that they, they don't want their kids consuming this type of content, you know, and it's all kind of about this erosion, um, of cultural norms. Even yesterday when I talked about, I posted a video about that, you know, in the whole lies of bring it back to lies of blue thing, but like she had some weird videos, some weird takes on consent. And then I had a bunch of like consent weirdos in my comments, um, that are, are like, you know, they always make these weird arguments about like, Oh, well, yeah, 13 year old should be able, like, no, but they always couch it and word it real to sound, try to sound really smart, but they're just peds, you know, like in, in my opinion, um, this is, this is nuts. This is very disappointing for YouTube given how hard they, how much time they spend suppressing conservative content. Um, and you know, and, uh, individual non mainstream content that of course they're spending equal amount of time trying to program kids and it's just not okay. And next up, Eliza Blue busted by former friends claims she was a recruiter and escort and her boyfriend speaks. Interesting, interesting stuff. A brand new article came out of the Daily Beast earlier and I talked about how in general, that article uh, completely destroyed the timeline that uh, Eliza Blue had set up to set herself up as a quote unquote survivor. Now it doesn't mean that maybe she didn't get all 11 timelines wrong and mixed up over the years. Um, it certainly doesn't prove that nothing bad ever happened to her, but it draws an immense specter of doubt and even has some of her best friends, people who known her for over 20 years speak out under their own names and directly call her a liar. Now, some of the most hilarious uh, bombshells from the first part was that she original, originally has claimed in multiple publications that she was in a dangerous neighborhood where she had to sleep on the floor because uh, two rival gangs were always duking it out. Turns out she lived in a upper class, overwhelmingly white neighborhood and never faced any danger whatsoever at all. But it gets worse because interestingly enough for someone who has made their entire career about being, you know, being quote unquote trafficked and maybe they were turns out that they tried to do the same thing to their friends. Uh Oh, under her new online name, Eliza blue began to dance as a quote video vixen in mostly low budget music videos. A YouTube playlist that appears to have been compiled by Blue herself shows her gyrating videos from 2012 to 2013. One 2012 video she posted to YouTube, she filmed herself calling her mother in uh, to shock her with the news that she'd become a video music video dancer. Only discovered that her mom was actually happy for her. Haha. 
In the video, Blue told her mother she wanted to become a music video dancer because of her childhood admiration for the Fly Girls from A Living Color. Blue also gave interviews about the video Vixen Lifestyle in 2016, speaking in a markedly different tone vernacular that like she was like, like very, I don't want to, is urban a rate? Do I, if I say her, she sounded urban. Am I doing a racism? I don't mean to. She, she does. She's trying to sound black. That's okay. Right. She, 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 I don't want, you know, I don't know. She's got a very different tone, right. For someone who grew up in a farmhouse. Um, but it's a nice, you know, talked about how someone offered her $150,000 for a little P in the V. It's a nice offer, but it's not for me, she said. Still appears that Blue may have engaged in some kind of hookup work around that time. In one interview, interview, she advertised her account on a now-defunct cam site where men could pay money to talk with her. In 2016, Wenzel, her friend, claims that Blue asked her to join as an escort, promising that Wenzel could make $500 a night, an offer that stunned both Wenzel and her husband. She was absolutely loving it, Wenzel said. She was bragging about it, saying she was making so much money as an escort, who clearly at least tried recruiting perhaps one more female. Does somebody's wife, uh, does a certain famous Jeffrey guy's wife come to mind? Maybe not as bad, but, you know, this is somebody that was so against Tate and the lover boy stuff and uh, how these women often recruit other women. She's clearly, at least according to her good friend, did it herself. And it's also interesting that the $500 a night thing does come back to her being sold for $500 conveniently, same amount. I don't know. Eliza Blue later suggested that this type of work with a pimp might actually qualify as being trafficked. Though Wenzel said she didn't meet any pimp or trafficker when she socialized with Blue, be it an unnamed, quote, high-profile athlete or otherwise. She's a very powerful and very smart, intelligent woman. I don't think so. I will not discredit her for that, Wenzel says. She knows exactly what she's doing. As proof as she, of, she, of her being uh, trafficked, Blue often cites the organization, she says, quote, Saved my life. Eve's Angels, a Christian nonprofit that serves these victims. In her telling, Blue living in her gangland apartment in 2013 and desperate to leave, she contacted Eve's Angels and discovered founder Annie Dunwald through a YouTube video. In another recent tweet, Blue claimed to have found the group via a web address in a Bible group that they, a Bible group left at the strip club. So she can't even keep that story straight. She can't even keep that story straight. I can't just say I found him on YouTube. I got to say it was in a Bible leaflet at a strip club. The group soon spirited Blue away from her traffickers and into a safe house, quote, three states away. In her account, Blue claims she briefly returned to her traffickers after that escape, but eventually escaped their clutches for good around 2014. Now, just wait. There's more. Nom, 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 nom. Okay, so I think I'm going to do that. Um, that was my last clout goblin. Nom, 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 nom. Because I think 
finally, every time I think the story's just like dead, something like this happens. But anyway, Dunwall defended Blue from skeptics earlier this month, tweeting that she's the real deal. But like Blue, Dunwald's claims of being trafficked in her own life have come under scrutiny. <laughs> in 2018, Dunwald's own parents and brother filed a defamation suit against Dunwald and Eve's angels. While Dunwald and her children were living with her family members in Michigan, Dunwald's parents confronted her about their of the treatment of her daughter, according to the lawsuit. In response, Dunwald Dunwald and her group accused her parents of uh, trafficking children. Dunwald then took the case to the police, leading to a criminal investigation into her own parents, and of course, no charges were filed. Dunwald's claims fell apart after her daughter told her grandparents that Dunwald had told her to fabricate the claims in an attempt to score a payoff from the grandparents the Court of Appeals found. And on, to make it worse, are you not entertained? If you're one of those edge, you're sitting on the edge, you haven't yet subscribed, think of all the fun things that we've gone through on this channel. The Jack, the Brie Larson stuff, the Jack Murphy stuff, the, 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 the now this. I've been your Sherpa of, through, the, through the muck for years, and I hope that I'll earn your subscription, or I have earned it today. Now here, things get even better. The activist was ordered to pay a judgment of more than $47,000 plus legal fees. As of May 2022, appeals court ruling, the family was still stalled in settlement talks, but Dunwald denying the defamation against, well, she lost the lawsuit. So she made up some wild lie about her parents, and her own parents sued her into oblivion. This is Eliza Blues, the lady's organization that saved her and also said that she's the real deal. I can't even, I, I can't, it's like, how do I even make this up? Dunwall did not respond to comment. Eve's Angels did not return an email. And the two phone numbers attached to the charity were either not in service or went to directly full inboxes. Another Bunk organization. I, I just, I, I don't, you know, and then, oh my God, it gets even better. <laughs> okay. So now other clout gobbling that she did was to insert herself into the Tate lawsuit and try to represent one of them. And I've heard through the grapevine, they don't want to come forward who they are, so I can't out them. But now that it's in print, they clearly talk to these people too. So I've heard this before. You know, it, it's, it, it's that she said she claimed, Elijah Blue claimed to represent two anonymous, quote, survivors of Tate. Uh, some of his most rabid fans, along with other right-wing users, began scrutinizing Blue's black story, backstory. They posted clips from past media appearances, started trafficking, doubted trafficking claims, and trolled her with screenshots of a music video. Um, but what's interesting here is, quote, she clung to us all from out of nowhere. She had none of the attributes of uh, a, a, a Jeffrey victim, yet insinuated otherwise. 
Like, what? Even her ex-boyfriend spoke out. Saying that she told him once there's three people that she would cheat on him. For Ben Shapiro, Elon Musk, and there might have been one other. She told that to her ex-boyfriend. But the connection with, with Jeffrey and his wife, since emerging as this activist, Blue has crossed paths with Jeffrey's victims. In September, back in 2020, she announced on Twitter that she had accepted a new position. But victims refused silence, which at the time was a nonprofit, um, a high-profile, you know, high-profile one of the those uh, whose lives were uh, impacted by him. She, t- uh, uh, but later, but by November of that year, just a few months later, Blue tweeted that she had stepped back into part-time role with the organization. Hmm. Teresa Helm, one uh, one of the women who were affected by this creep, Jeffrey, and former director of the Victims Refuse Silence, said she became friends with Blue and asked her to join the group before it dissolved. She's been almost like a freelancer in the world of advocacy, who now works, said Helm, who now works for the National Center on whatever, whatever, which was once known as Morality and Media. I mean, it's interesting that all these that she has managed to insert herself into all of these scenarios, all these all these people's lives. Her ex boyfriend doesn't have very next nice thing to say about her. Of course, I mean that's you know whatever. Um, turns out she was trying to get her female friend into it, her married female friend into it. Uh, this rabbit hole goes so deep, and I'm very happy that so many people are covering it. Uh, and I hope that you've enjoyed the video and that you share the video and and uh well i'll keep going here and last up today elon musk goes private on twitter and admits major problems you might have noticed across twitter that many of your favorite accounts have gone protected lately privatized their accounts almost everyone i see on twitter now is from a protected account and there seems to be this general belief that pushing your account into private mode somehow fixes your algorithm. People are actually seeing accounts um, that they you know, actually follow. And this is all supported by data. And Elon Musk has actually also privated his own account and shared some data. And it looks like there's actually seriously real problems still existing at Twitter, something that most of us have known, you know, it got it got better briefly, and then it seemed like, you know, it seemed like for a while, hey, I can see everybody again, or you know, it looks like the algorithm's working and people are getting new followers and and stuff like that, and then it would get broken again, and then it would seemingly get fixed, and then it would get broken again, and it's basically been like that for the last several months. Twitter is working on many new features, including like emote reactions to, to tweets, which I think is cool. Um, they also have you know a couple other features coming out that we've seen previews for, but for the most part, the basics still don't work. Something is wrong. Elon Musk makes Twitter account private. Previously unknown quote trick can vastly improve a tweet's reach factor, users tell billionaire. I don't know about that. Because this is, seems 
to me, it's one of those things where like, okay, your 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 people that follow you can see you better. Which for someone like you know me as a YouTuber, it's like, yeah, I'd like all the people that already see my channel or subscribed to my channel would actually see my videos or you know people follow me on Twitter. But like, if you private your account, then growth seems like it's much going to be much more difficult because nobody can retweet you, nobody can quote tweet you while you're privatized. Even Jordan Peterson had a boomer moment last night and was like, "Man, I privated my account like everyone else, and I can't retweet anybody." So you know, if you look at Elon, you know his account is still private. Uh, by the way, Twitter's also working on ID verification. Um, I saw a little leak about that so that people actually have like a little ID verified, which I think is kind of cool. It's more for like the bot thing. Um, someone just four hours ago, Niche Gamer wrote, everyone on the Bird app today, I'm going to go viral now after privating their accounts. And then Elon Musk says something fundamental is wrong. And if you look at his account, obviously, you know, I can see him because I was following him already. Um, but if I wasn't following him, it, he would show up as like a private account and you might have to request follower approval. And that's obviously not right. Uh, if we look at some of the data here, this from Josh Denny, update on public slash private profile comparison. The older quote Biden tweet was before I set my private profile to private slash protected. The code is clearly jacked. People say my engagement is low because my followers must be fake. Incorrect. So you should, first you see um, this tweet, testing out this tweet, private toggle, received 800 likes, 8,000 impressions. So what, that's like 1%. Um, the Biden tweet <laughs> from 15 hours before, 1,400 impressions as opposed to 8,000 impressions. That's five times the impression rate. The engagement obviously far worse with just 23 likes and two retweets compared to 800 likes. Now it has zero retweets. So the, the issue is like, if I privatized my account, then the people that are following me might actually see my tweets, would be, which would be awesome. You know, he also writes 1% engagement is fairly standard, but, it, but to get it overnight is insane. Interested to see how this continues throughout the day. I've spent 14 years building a following and it's useless with Twitter, Twitter's current code. People keen to learn what Musk's latest posts for might have to might have been surprised to find this profile had been locked as of the morning on February 1st. Instead of his usual host of memes, Musk's account simply read, these tweets are protected. Only approved followers can see Elon Musk's tweets to request access, click follow, learn more. Musk, Musk's decision to protect his profile baffled many on Twitter who were confused as why regular tweeters would lock their account. But... There were others who shared a post attributed to Musk where the multi-billionaire explained his reasons for doing so. Musk, who has more than 127 million Twitter followers, said Wednesday morning, made my account private until tomorrow morning, that's what, Thursday morning, uh, to test whether you see my private tweets more than my public ones. Of course, it talks about, you know, you can go to your dots, setting the privacy, privacy safety, go to audience tagging, and then click protect your tweets. It's interesting. According to eMarketer and Intelligence Insider, 368.4 million people were registered on Twitter in 2022. It added 
to the total number. Oh, it added that the total number is expected to fall to 353.9 million in 2023 and 335 million in the following year. Well, of course, people move different platforms. They have, you know, different interests. I think that Twitter needs to add a lot of features for it to remain. I mean, it's still the best real-time source for news and what's trending, but it is absolutely not the best to actually get a hold of your followers. The best tool I have to get a hold of my followers, like or people that want to see my content, I don't like using that term, but people that have said, hey, I'd like to see the content is my email list that I that's on the quarterly.com and my locals. Like every time I do a locals post, everyone sees it. And the thing is, locals also sends an email. So it's like for people that have the locals app or, or, or they get sent to the email, just an insanely high percentage of people see the stuff I post on locals, which is awesome. Um, Twitter still is exceedingly low, has been exceedingly low with the exception of some of these like Eliza files stuff, you know, engagement on Twitter is pathetic. You know, I supposedly have 250,000 followers and it's extremely rare for me to get more than like a couple hundred comments. Um, and that's if I'm literally asking a question, if I'm like, Hey, um, you know, does, does, uh, you know, what time every moment more morning, I famously ask like what's on everyone's minds for videos today. And people tell me, but it's like 50, 60 tops. I have 250,000 people that follow me. So I suppose for me to, to, to look at this, I would much rather like growth is important, but it is meaningless if you can't reach the people. So if privatizing my account means I can actually see people and contact them, then that's a far more valuable way to use the platform. Uh, it obviously is not a good thing. It's interesting that so many problems, so many problems exist on this platform. Now, of course, even this is getting politicized. Elon Musk and right-wing friends do us a favor by hiding their tweets. The latest confusion over visibility on the social media platform has led certain loud cranks to silence themselves. Aside from being a huge relief, Musk concealing his epic tweets from everyone but his 127 million closest friends is supposed to be an experiment of sorts. There's a long list of right-wing power users, despite huge audiences and reliable engagement, that have long persisted in their belief that Twitter is throttling their reach. In truth, the platform has always amplified conservatism more than left-wing content. I don't believe that at all. But the right wants more than almost anything to prove they are victims of big tech censorship. Well, they are. And after a brief period of acting like Musk had solved that imaginary problem, they have started to hold him responsible for the crisis of posts not getting liked enough. I got to admit that there are people on the right who, who are like this. Um, you know, I think sometimes your tweets just aren't good. Um, I do believe that there is and has been Levels of protection on, especially on large scale, perceived right wing accounts. However, and and um, by the way, if and 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 when we saw with the reporting from Dave Rubin last week, where he said, "Hey, all these things on your accounts, like 
previous strike, all these like sudden, you know, he, secret, whatever, whatever's, um, they still exist. So if these tags, tags, God, you guys make me self-conference conscious. I'm from Wisconsin. That's how I talk. Dragon tags. We also drink from bubblers here. Deal with it. <laughs> uh, you know, like it's, uh, although I don't drink from bubblers anymore. Germs, you know, but, uh, you know, the thing is, and so a lot of people like, you know, just freak out when they, when they see their engagement post and they rapidly tag Elon, like, oh my God, my tweets have, you know, my engagement is gone completely. That may be true in some cases, but also to be fair, to be fair, the, the uh, there's also times of intense engagement on Twitter when a lot of conservatives are in the current conversation. And then there are lulls, just like I assume this is similar on the left. When Elon first took over, my engagement was through the roof. That's because I think a lot of right-wingers or our non, non-corporate bootleggers uh, returned to the platform and were actively engaged in it. Then there was the fact that there was always a reason why these people stopped engaging on Twitter. They just stopped using it. And so they stopped using it. And then people are like, whoa, my engagement's down. Then something big happens, like Trump returns to Twitter. There'll be a huge wave of engagement again. And then everyone will be like, wow, Elon fixed the algorithm. When in reality, I don't think he's really changed much of anything at Twitter and the the algorithm perspective. Um, He himself has talked about how the code is extraordinarily complex. Uh, So what's more than likely, what's more than likely is there... When you go to privatized mode, maybe some of these strikes don't exist. What I'm guessing is the case is that whatever shadow ban stuff and deboosting stuff existed before Elon is still in effect now. Uh, he's made no announcement of removing it, um, so that's like more than uh, that's more likely what people, what's suppressing people is all these these hangover leftover tags and and deboost accounts. But it'll be interesting to see. If they can connect the dots here and see why that is, and then, of course, if they could fix it, it sure would be nice to be able to interact with the people that chose to follow me. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, please make sure you leave a like on it. And if you haven't yet, please do subscribe down below, and we'll talk to you again real soon.